Welcome to Shorts with Tara and Jill. This is Jill. This is Tara. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, so I have a question about um, beach vacations Mm -hmm. and dogs. Yes. Because like you and I just both were, had sort of a beach vacation separately and um, I left my dog at home (laughs) and you brought your dog. And so, and there were a number of dogs actually on the beach. And so I, first of all, I just have to say like some of these, I know yours is a little guy, little girl dog, but some of these like massive dogs, I don't know how they, like they must be so hot, like with like hair and just like sitting in the side, I just cannot understand it. But how did like, how do you handle a dog on the beach? Like, don't they shit everywhere? Like what, how do you deal with that? So we've never brought our dog on vacation. And in fact, she's been, we've been on a lot of vacations this summer and she stayed home. So we were like, let's just try it. Um, it was a lot of work. She, plus, you know, you're staying in somebody else's home while we rented somebody else's home. So it's like, you want to be very mindful of keeping that nice. Uh, she loved the beach. We had no idea how she was going to react to the beach, but she loved it. We brought an umbrella. She already, when she gets very hot, she already puts herself in the shade. So she knows that about herself. Um, I would, I had to leave early with Penelope because she had tryouts. So um, everybody else said that she was really afraid to go in the water. And then finally she got the courage and like jumped in and she was fine. But I, I don't know. I think you just have to wing it. Like we were spec and not every beach allows dogs too, which is fine. So you have to, you know, know that, but, um, she liked it. She loved it. It was very, you know, it was really cute is to watch her. She's never seen the ocean. So mm-hmm. got there, she had no idea. And then when the kids went in the water, she was stumped because she, you know, it's like a, a hurdle. Where are they going? And also a hurdle for her. Like she doesn't yeah. know what that means. Uh, yeah, but it's a, it's a lot of work to bring your dog on vacation. I think at the end, the consensus, consensus is to leave her home. <laughs> but she's also like thinks she's a person. So she gets like mm-hmm. big FOMO, big time. So a couple, couple follow ups. So one is there was like immense jellyfish issues oh, yeah. at the beach. I mean, like we were standing on the shore and could see them, and immense. What do dogs care about jellyfish? Do they get stung by jellyfish? I mean, they probably could. She and uh, Hudson did, but um, I don't. She it was never a concern. She didn't go in the water that much. It took her like a four days to get the courage to go in, but she just liked yeah. to sit and watch the kids go in the water. Yeah. Okay. So the second follow-up question is, so you said you're staying in someone else's house or even if it's like someone you don't know, like a rented house or something, what do you do with her inside? Like, does she know not to pee inside? Yeah. I'm not going to lie. She may have had one or two accidents, but... <laughs> We like cornered her off and she, I mean, she's now almost like a year and a half. So she knows the reason why she goes to the bathroom. This is what we think is because we leave her when we go out to dinner and stuff and she feels like she should be going. So she's she's pissed at us. So she's like, because she never goes to the bathroom in our home ever. It's a revenge. It is. It's revenge. It's like an F you because you left me and I should be with you, P. 
But um, yeah, but that was a concern because clearly, you know, we know that it's somebody else's home and we don't want any of that to happen. If she wasn't fully trained like she is, I don't, we would have never brought her because obviously you wouldn't do that. But yeah, I mean, that's just, that's what you have to worry about for sure. But we blocked her off in like a small area. So if it were to happen, it wouldn't have been all over the house. So, and how do you know when a dog is fully trained? People keep asking me that. I don't know. How, how do you know? You know because there are really no more accidents in the house. <clears throat> so after – it took her a while, but um, – and she knows she knows when she needs to go to the bathroom and where she needs to t- – like she'll go by the back door because she knows that that's where she goes. And so she'll stand there and wait for us to take her out. But I think that mm-hmm. when they're, they're, when there's no more accidents in the house, that's when you know they're fully trained. Yeah, I think so. We're at the point, there's no more accidents that we know of, but, um, but I think it's in part because we take them out a lot. So it's not like, like we don't give them a chance to build, you know, to like have to stand by the door. So that has not happened yet. He doesn't do any of the like signaling. Also when you start to get into a routine, like let's just say when kids get back to school and you like are leaving the house and the, like for us, it's like, we take her out in the morning, then all of us are gone. The dog walker comes. She can hold it till the dog walker comes. And yeah. um, But if I happen to hop home before that, I'll take her out. But really, they tr- they learn how to tr- um, hold their bowels till they need to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you for the dog, little, little dog session. Um, but I would say, canine it's like, training. you know, I love my kids, but when you take your kids on vacation, it's a workcation. So when you take your dog on vacation, it's double. <laughs> yeah. That's part of the reason we left ours is we just couldn't, it's like I, I needed a break. Yeah. I needed a little bit of a Trust break. Trust me, having a break from the dog is a really important because it's exhausting. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So we're going to talk about... Um, I wanted to provide an unofficial, unqualified, really, review of this book that I've been reading called um, – it's, it's very popular. It's on like a lot of podcasts right now, 4,000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals by Oliver Berkman. And um, it, this, this is an unqualified review because, number one, I'm not a book reviewer. <laughs> number two, <laughs> I haven't finished the book. And number three <laughs> – I don't read self-help books or anything remotely touching the category. So, um, but I just had to share. What drew you to this book then? Somebody who knows me really well sent me an episode of a podcast, this Peter Atia podcast called The Drive. Um, He's a longevity, I think he's like a longevity expert. And he interviewed the author of this Oliver Berkman, the author of this book on that podcast and, and the author between the two of them over an hour and a half episode, they described the book and a lot of things in the book. And I was like, as I'm listening to it, I was like, and I mean, I was on a seven hour drive to Canada. So maybe I was just really bored, but I was like, this is me. This like describes me to a T like literally it's, it's me to a T. And so then I bought the book um, and I've been reading it and basically the, you know, the, the basic 
premise is you have 4,000 weeks to live and maybe it's 4,500. So it depends on how long you live, right? But there's a finite amount of time that you have to live. And no matter how quickly you respond to emails, how productive you are, how organized you are, how many things you have on your to-do list, how good you are prioritizing, like it, none of it matters, basically. You have 4,000 weeks to live. And so it sort of like forces you to come to terms with your, what he calls finitude, like your that your mortality and the you're, you have a finite amount of time that you're going to live. And the sooner you can kind of come to terms with that as sobering as it is, the lighter you're going to feel about everything on your plate and the better you're going to feel about making choices in your life to spend time on, on things that you really want to spend time on. Um, so and the interesting thing is the author is like, a, he, he's a self-proclaimed former productivity nerd. So he was just like me. Like I'm always looking for ways to get more productive. I'm downloading apps. I have Todoist. I've got Google Sheets. You know, I'm like so organized or try to be so organized. And everyone's always said to me, like, what, how do you always get so much done? How can you get so much done? And the problem is what this guy illustrates is that you become the person who gets everything done so quickly. And then what ends up happening is you just get more stuff to do and then you die. <laughs> and then you're on week 3,999 and you still have a huge to-do list. Well, it's so interesting because – so are you in general trying to not be that person? Anymore? Do you want to take that a step down? Because typically when you read something like that, maybe – well, you can obviously identify with it, but like, do you want to change that behavior a little bit for yourself? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting because one of the things they said on the podcast, and I haven't gotten to this, this, the end of the book yet, but the author says like, I don't, there's not a solution. It's not like this isn't, this isn't really a self-help book because at the end of the book, you're not going to get 10 ways to not die in 4,000 weeks. It's, and so there's, it's not really like, there's not like like a list of action items that come out of it, which for a productivity nerd like me is is disturbing and uncomfortable. But yes, I mean, essentially, I do want to change. I don't, I don't, I I don't think I can ever not be really reliant on some structure, but I'm gonna let it go a little around the edges. And like if something, if we don't re- record a podcast, no one cares. <laughs> so- so, and he makes this point. He's like, if you zoom out far enough in history, people like Mozart and Bach and, you know, Einstein, if you zoom out far enough in history, they don't matter. Like, yes, they matter. And yes, they were amazing inventors and and composers and everything else. But it's like everyone is sort of a grain of sand is like his thing. And, and he's, and, and what... I think what he gets at really nicely is we've become so, um, and you can see this with, with our kids too, everything has to be so fast, right? And we've become slaves to everything being fast and automatic and done for you and apps and everything is like reducing these quote unquote pain points. Like he's like, you know, Uber reduces the pain point of pulling your wallet out of your pocket to pay the driver. He's like, but pulling your wallet out of your pocket to pay the driver is actually like an, an action and an interaction that humans need. 
they need that interaction. And you can sit at home and you can watch Netflix and you can order Uber Eats and you can order your Uber and you can do everything online and never talk to another person in your life. And he's like, it's a miserable existence and people need people. And um, he quotes this venture capitalist. He says, I'm going to get this wrong, but it's, he says like, you know, you know, this, this venture capitalist said, famously said, sometimes you don't know if something is broken until someone shows you a better way. Right. And the author, Oliver Berkman is like, sometimes you don't know if something is broken because it's actually not broken. (laughs) So all of these apps that are, you know, fixing these problems, like those problems maybe exist for a reason. And so sort of slowing down valuing human interaction, making better choices about what to spend your time on and realizing that no matter how many top five priorities you have, you're always going to have five. Those slots are never going to get cleared. Like you think you're going to master time and you th- it gets very philosophical, but you think you're going to master time. You think that if you can just clear the decks, then you'll have time to respond to that like really meaningful email or write that really meaningful note or see that really important person in your life. Just take, just clear all the deck, get all the to-dos done, and then you'll have the time to focus on that. You're never going to get that time. So just do it. And that's kind of super helpful for me because that is exactly what I do. Like I 100% spend a lot of my 80% of my time like clearing the deck and I never get it clear because it's just more. Well, and then for me, when I hear all of this, it sounds very stressful. Like my stress inside like goes, <laughs> I could not live that way because it, I I like don't want to be that stressed out about that type of thing. I know this is your personality. We're very different in this way. But when I hear that, I'm like, whoa, you do not need to stress over all that kind of stuff. And like, it's okay if you immediately respond or things are not A to Z. Like, should I, could I be more organized? Sure. Like, I get it done though. So, so that's good for you. I'm glad that you found this. And it's so great that you can identify with it because it's clearly something that you, you could work on just to relieve some stress. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And you get it all done. Like people who are more relaxed about productivity and being anal about stuff like this, like they get it all done. They don't get it all done, but they get the things that are important to them done. And the other shit doesn't get done. So maybe you don't change the past, your 95 Google, you know, compromised passwords. Maybe you don't go in and change every single one of them (laughs) or any of them. I think it's a personality too, because I think it's just, you know, I think you are that type of personality. You'll never change your personality. It's just maybe your approach will be different. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so that's my unqualified and incomplete review well, thank of 4,000 Weeks. I think if you can put the name of this book for people too in the in the podcast, that would be great. So if they want to read I will. Thanks, Jeff. I will. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. We would love to answer any of your questions on future episodes of Shorts. Bermuda Shorts. Jean Shorts. Short Shorts. Boy shorts, tennis shorts, cargo shorts, beaded shorts, running shorts, board shorts.